Good to have you all with us. Uh, would you please turn to John chapter 9, please? Nine, John chapter 9. As we continue on in our study of the Gospel of John, and especially here in, in John chapter 9, as we've been dealing with the healing of a blind man. And certainly, there are so many spiritual connotations concerning blindness and the physical blindness actually reminds us of the greater spiritual blindness the physical reminds us of the spiritual blindness that so many people have before they come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior The man's eyes were healed because he obeyed Jesus to go to the pool of Siloam and, and to wash his eyes that had been uh, treated by clay that Jesus made from the dirt and, 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 the, and the spittle. And when he began to see his own neighbors who knew him to be blind began to ask the questions, how did you gain your sight? And he mentioned a man named Jesus, because that's all he knew about Jesus at the time. And obviously Jesus didn't go with him to the pool of Siloam, and, and if he did, he was certainly in the background or at least in hiding because if you'll remember before chapter 9 Jesus is on the move because there were those who wanted to stone him because he said before Abraham was I am and he declared himself to be God so what he said was all he knew that was his testimony this man named Jesus put clay on my eyes and told me to go wash, and I obeyed, and I washed, and, and now I can see. Some believed and some didn't. As we come here to verse 13 now of the text, we realize that the neighbors are obviously trying to get some handle on what took place, so they take him to the Pharisees, and that's where the real drama now begins. Give me a moment, I gotta turn this light off up here. And so in verse 13 it says, they brought to the Pharisees him that aforetime was blind. And it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Now isn't it interesting that John doesn't tell us that in the early part of the story. So now the plot thickens, you see, because we know what happens when Jesus does things on the Sabbath, which he can do because he's the Lord of the Sabbath, but nonetheless, uh, 
Because of tradition, the people are all kind of wound up. It was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. And then again, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He said unto them, He put clay upon mine eyes, and I washed and do see. And therefore said some of the Pharisees, This man is not of God, speaking, of course, of Jesus, because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. They were more concerned about the keeping of the Sabbath than they were about the fact that this man, who had once been blind and blind since birth, was now able to see. You ask the question, who was really blind? Therefore said some of the Pharisees, this man is not of God because he keepeth not the Sabbath. Others said, he can, how can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. Well, along the way in our study of the Gospel of John, we've asked the question, who is Jesus? And certainly along the way, Jesus himself has stated authoritatively and emphatically, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. Before Abraham was, I am. And now, as pertains to spiritual sight, the question is, what is Jesus? What is he? And as we learned in last week's study, the healed, delivered man stated that Jesus was a man. And that was, as we concluded, the first stage of spiritual sight. To see Jesus as a man, for indeed, he came to this earth and he took upon himself flesh to become for us our atoning sacrifice. The Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. Our mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. So now this man is taken by his neighbors to the Pharisees. And as I said, the drama is heightened now surrounding his answer to the question, How did you receive your sight. His answer to the Pharisees, similar to that given to the neighbors, caused somewhat of a ruckus and division among the religious leaders. The Sabbath came up again as it had before, when Jesus healed the layman at the pool of Bethesda. It was quite a quandary facing the religionists, because they had to answer this question, is Jesus a man of God or is he not a man of God? Now, obviously, we know that if they had just paid attention, someone who could do what he was doing is definitely a man of God. But more than that, he is the Messiah of God, and he is the Messiah of Israel. And they should have known that. They should have known it by his authority. How many times did they say, this man speaks with, speaks with such authority? They should have known. But the answer that the healed man gave provides for us the second stage of spiritual sight. And that is seeing Jesus not only as a man, but also as a healer or a helper. But now came the third stage. Verse 17. They say unto the blind man again, What sayest thou of him that he has opened thine eyes? And he said, he is a prophet. So Jesus was still just a man to this healed man. I wish we had a name for him. 
We don't have a name for him, so we just call him the man that was healed or the man that was delivered or the man. But Jesus was still just a man to him, but his view of the Lord had progressed. Because he now calls Jesus a prophet. The people saw prophets as having the highest office a man could hold because it was the most authoritative voice among the people. A true prophet was chosen by God to walk close to God, to represent God to the people, to proclaim the message of God, to demonstrate the power of God, and to help people by demonstrating the power of God before them to do two things, to minister to them and to warn them. This, in a nutshell, was the job of the prophet. This was the calling of the prophet. This was the work of the prophet. I want you to consider Amos chapter 3, verse 7 in the Old Testament in the Hebrew Scriptures. Amos chapter 3, verse 7, it says, Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he revealeth his secrets unto his servants, the prophets. Now, more literally, it says, Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but, or unless, or without, he, without relief, uh, his relieving his secret unto his servants, or the prophets. Let me say that again. Surely the Lord God will do nothing until, or unless, he reveals his secret unto his servants, the prophets. So this was the importance of the prophet. It was important at the time of the prophets of the Old Testament. It was important at the time of Jesus. Because they were looking for a prophet. There may have been some people who considered themselves prophets. John the Baptist was considered a prophet. In fact, he was even considered a prophet by Jesus. And some call him the last of the Old Testament prophets. But this was the importance of the prophet. But even still, the man's concept was inadequate because there was yet to be belief and worship. We haven't quite gotten there yet with this man. He has made testimony of what had happened to him just as basic as can possibly be. This man told me to do something before or after he had put this clay on my eyes. And I obeyed him because he had spoken different than all the other rabbis. I mentioned this last week. So Jesus would be considered a prophet by many people during his earthly ministry. When Jesus was, was asked or when Jesus asked his disciples, for example, at Caesarea Philippi, whom uh, men said that he was, who do men say that I am, was the question that he posed to his disciples. They said he was John the Baptist, that he was Elijah, that he was Jeremiah, one of the prophets. That's in Matthew 16, by the way. And then later on in Matthew 21, as Jesus made his entrance into Jerusalem for his last week there before going to the cross, he was called Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. That's Matthew 21, verse 11, if you want to look it up. He is called Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee, by the people. So there was some significance to the fact that he said of Jesus that he was a prophet. Jesus was a man who healed him and helped him, and therefore he must be a prophet. 
But now we arrive to the fourth stage of spiritual sight. And this is a longer section, so let's read it, verses 18 through 27. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him that had received his sight. So they just, didn't, they just couldn't believe that this man had received his sight. There has to be some problem, some lie maybe, some desire for advantage, a monetary advantage of some sort. So let's get his parents. Let's find them. And they asked them, saying, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? And his parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But by what means he now seeth, we know not. Or who has opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age. Ask him. Those are really good parents. Ask him. He's old enough to answer you. He shall speak for himself. These words spake his parents because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, or that he was Messiah, that he should be put out of the synagogue. And therefore said his parents, he's of age, ask him. And then again called they the man that was blind and said unto him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. Speaking of Jesus. You give God the praise. This man you keep talking about is just a sinner. He answered and said, the blind man who is healed now, answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know. That whereas I was blind, now I see. I don't know if that man's a sinner, but I know one thing. Once I was blind, but now I see. Then said they to him again, What did he to thee? What did he do to you? How opened he thine eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you did not hear. Wherefore would you hear it again? Will you also be his disciples? That's, that's a great statement. Oh, you want me to tell you again because you want to be his disciples? I'll be glad to tell you. So this passage here that I just read amazes me about not only the Pharisees, but about the parents of the blind man now healed. As for the Pharisees, they had, they had all the evidence before them, yet they still refused to see as well as believe in Jesus simply because their traditions were more important than God's word. And their traditions were more important than the things that Jesus had done right before them. The irony in all of this is no matter how hard it is to argue against the evidence, they were going to try hoping against hope. They were going to try to argue against the evidence. So they determined that they were going to give the parents of this man the third degree. We're going to grill these parents. 
find out about this man. Maybe it wasn't as ironic as it was reprehensible and disgraceful and inexcusable what they were doing after what Jesus had done. As for the parents, they did testify that their son was born blind and that he could now see, but that was as far as they were willing to go. They were afraid to speak of anyone, much less Jesus, healing their son because that would make him to be the Messiah and that testimony alone would cause them to be excommunicated from the synagogue and if that happened, then consequently they would lose their jobs or their livelihood and eventually they would be outcasts of society and of their community. That's how powerful the Pharisees were. So they told the Pharisees to ask their son regarding how he sees. He's of age, ask him. I'm thinking, man, these parents, they're thinking, what does, what does my son have to lose? He doesn't have a job to lose or a home to maintain like we do. He's been blind since birth, you, you know. What does he have to lose? They didn't want to lose their status within the community. Are people doing that to, today because of Jesus Christ being questioned? Are we taking a good stand for Christ to say that we know him? That we love him? No matter what our community has to say, no matter what the PC police has to say, We have a lot to face in this society we, in which we live today when it comes to our trust in the Lord, when it comes to our love of God and our love of Christ, our love of his word. Will we take that stand? If we lost everything today because of Jesus Christ, would we still have Christ? Of course we would. So what then happened? So once again, they had the healed man brought before them. Have you noticed that the facts and the evidence haven't changed? The facts and the evidence haven't changed. The man who was born blind since birth was told by Jesus to wash his eyes out at the pool of Siloam after Jesus had put the, the clay on his eyes. The man did what he said. That's everything that the man has been saying all along. The testimony comes, the opportunity for testimony comes up and they say, well, what happened to you? How, how is it that you see? Well, this is what happened. This man, Jesus, he healed me. I think he's a prophet. No, he's not. He's a sinner. He healed you on the Sabbath. The facts haven't changed. The man's still healed. The man can see. In fact, he sees better than the Pharisees. 
Because the Pharisees have resigned to their denying Jesus as Messiah, and after all the severe questioning of the man, now they resort to attacks. They tell the man who has been healed, you give God the praise because this man, Jesus, you claim to have healed you, is a sinner who breaks Sabbath law for his own benefit and fame. Take note that they took their stand, the Pharisees, took their stand on their own preconceived ideas. The man took a stand simply on the facts that he knew by experience. And notice that the man still doesn't know much about Jesus. But what he knows, he freely speaks even though he could be excommunicated from the synagogue. I mean, for him, he'd say, well, go ahead and do that because I've never seen it anyway. Everything was happening somewhere around or outside of it. But I know what's happened to me. There's something about this man that we're learning about. Though he has yet to see Jesus fully. He wasn't going to lie just to satisfy the Pharisees. So he tells them all he knows, that he was born blind and Jesus touched his life and now he sees. How do you argue against that? Why didn't the Pharisees just go to God in prayer and say, God, this man was healed on the Sabbath, he shouldn't have been? Close his eyes again. Right? You can't argue against the facts and the experience. So we too should speak of what the Lord has done in our lives and let the evidence speak for itself. Do you know what one of the greatest evidences for Christianity is today? You and me. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are one of the greatest evidences for Christianity today. Why? Because you've come to Jesus Christ, born blind, but now we see living, transformed lives by the grace and power of God. Is that not evidence? We take those great words from the great hymn, Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. That's our testimony. It always is, it always will be, until the day of Christ. As Paul has written in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 2 and 3, he says to, to, this, to this church in Corinth, you are our epistle, our letter, written in our hearts, known and read of all men. Are people reading you as a believer in Jesus Christ? For as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables, or fleshy, should say fleshy, tables of the heart. 
You are God's letter. You are God's epistle. You are God's evidence. You are evidence of God. Because you have gone from darkness into light. You have gone from death to life. You have been set free from despair and hopelessness to know the love and the mercy and the grace of God through Jesus Christ. Isn't that something to be excited about? No matter what anybody tells you, no, no matter what anybody may want to say to you, to say, no, you're just all full of weirdness. What is the fourth stage now? The fourth stage of spiritual sight. Jesus is a man. He's a healer. He's a prophet. This is what he sees. And now let's look at verse 25. Within the text that we just read. He answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. Even though the man wasn't able to answer the theological question as to whether Jesus was a mere man, as all other men, or was really God, he certainly had progressed in his view of Jesus. He saw that Jesus could be more than a mere man, and while not knowing all the theological terms as to how to express the nature of Jesus, he knew one thing. Jesus had delivered him and saved him from blindness. Jesus was his savior and deliverer from blindness into sight. Once I was blind, but now I see. And he's beginning to recognize what Jesus came to do. It was more than touch someone physically. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, we're told, For the Son of Man, and these are the words of Jesus himself, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And then John 3, 17, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus came to be a Savior. And this man was beginning to see the hand of God in his life, in the touch of Jesus, in the feelings within his heart, and in the beauty of what he had never seen before. Now all of this chaos is going on around him, but he's probably walking around also saying, man, this is pretty cool. I've never seen any of this before. You come to Christ, and what, what happens to your own eyes? You remember what may have happened 10, 15, 20 years ago? Maybe not even that long ago. I have to go back about 40-some years, you know. And I'm thinking, when God opened my eyes, I saw everything differently. I saw how dark the world was and how bright the fellowship of the saints was. The importance of these things. That's just a little bit of the detail. 
But then we begin to see the beauty of creation. We begin to see the, the vastness of creation. <clears throat> Same physical eyes. Different spiritual eyes. There's a simple, even humorous statement of innocence given by the man in verse 27 when, when asked again what Jesus did to him and how he opened his eyes. He said, I've told you already, and, and, and you did not hear. Wherefore, would you hear it again? Will you also be his disciples? In other words, <clears throat> do you want to be his disciples too? I mean, let's face it. The evidence was before them. The truth was out there. And yes, they should have received Jesus, but they rejected him even though he did the impossible. He did the impossible. No one could ever give sight to blind eyes except Jesus. And as we read on in verse 28, what was their, their response to his saying, do you want to be his disciples too? Then they reviled him. And they said, Thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spoke unto Moses. As for this fellow, we know not from whence he is. We don't know where he came from. Now this is very important to see what he says now in, in verse 30. The man answered and said unto them, Why herein is a marvelous thing that you know not from whence he is? And yet he has opened my eyes. Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. What is this man doing? He is quoting scripture to the Pharisees. I'll show you that in a moment. Verse 32. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? If this man were not of God, listen to this statement, if this man were not of God, he could do nothing. Consider the boldness of this man before the Pharisees, no matter that they would throw him out of the synagogue, no matter that they would revile him. Notice verse 34. They answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. Born in sins. In other words, if you remember back the prenatal sins we were talking about, that he sinned inside the womb of his mother, that's what they're accusing him of. For his blindness. But what's the problem with that? He sees when he didn't see before. While the Pharisees were turning up the heat because they were losing the battle to truth and experience, the man had reached the fifth stage of spiritual sight. He saw Jesus now as being of God. And this appears to be his final answer to those who were questioning his confession of Jesus. The confession was that Jesus was of God. If this man were not of God, do you see the implication here? If this man was not of God, he could do nothing. Which means because he is of God, then he is doing these things because he can. 
And the religious leaders he was addressing were far more blind spiritually than he had ever been physically. Their opposition and scorn sparked the fire and the light that began to burn in his soul. He was astonished at their unbelief. He was astonished at their hostility. And then he shared his assessment by actually quoting the word of God to the religious leaders there in verses 31 and 32. Let me just give you a couple of places where he quoted from. For example, Proverbs 15 verse 29. This man knew the word of God and he was blind. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he heareth the prayer of the righteous. That is what he quotes to them. The Lord is far from the wicked. Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. That's essentially the same verse. Then Isaiah chapter 1, verse 15. Isaiah 1, 15. And when you spread forth your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Yea, when you make my many prayers, I will not hear your hands are full of blood. The idea is, of course, that if you are wicked in the things that you do, your prayers won't be heard. How could the Pharisees argue against that point? They couldn't. They accused Jesus of being a sinner, and yet he healed a man who was born blind. And if they had only listened instead of closing their ears to the truth because of their own prejudices and preconceived ideas, if they had only listened, How many people, I've, I've, men, I've made this comment many times, how many people hear, but they don't listen? You can hear sounds, but are you listening to them? When somebody says, what are you doing today? Well, I'm, I'm listening to music. You never say, well, I'm just hearing music. Like if it's in the background. Sometimes I have to put on music when I'm reading and studying or whatever. I, just a little music to kind of get me to focus, you know. So sometimes what I'm doing is I'm not even hearing. Just have it to kind of drown out some other sounds on the outside, you know. When I really want to listen, I listen to the music. How many people today hear things, but they're not listening? Hearing is good too, by the way. I'm not saying that hearing is worse than listening, but, but there's just a level of, of more intensity of listening and of paying attention. And throughout the Hebrew Scriptures, not one person who was born blind was made to see. That is the Hebrew Scriptures. That is in the Old Testament. So even the man was correct in that. But according to Psalm 146, verse 8, it says, The Lord openeth the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises them that are bowed down. The Lord loveth the righteous. He opens the eyes of the blind. And that work is specifically given to the Messiah. 
as pointed out by Isaiah in Isaiah 35, verse 5. When you read Isaiah in chapter 35 and the previous chapters and the, the ones that follow chapter 35, you realize that this is about the kingdom of Messiah. And so, in verse 5 of, of Isaiah 35, then the eyes of the blind shall be open and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Why? Because Messiah opens the eyes of the blind. So the Pharisees lost the battle. So what do they do? They lose the battle and they kick the healed man right out of the synagogue and they stuck it to him by stating that his blindness was a direct result of his prenatal sin. So remind me, who was blind? Who was it? The, the blind man's not blind anymore. He's not blind physically and he's not blind spiritually either. He's beginning to see more and more. So the man gets kicked out of the world and its religious system. Now I'm not saying that Judaism is the world. What I'm saying is, is how they treated their system in relation to the truth of God's word. Because it, it, you know, the, the, the legalism of, of, of Judaism, Paul has talked about as a Jew. But there's legalism in all kinds of ways. And the world has all kinds of religions. And there's all kinds of steps. So there's a connection to the world. And he's kicked out of the world and its religious system. And so who is it that comes to find him? Let's look at verse 35. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. Makes you wonder when you were going through your greatest struggle before you came to know Jesus, Jesus heard, well, there's somebody out there I've got to go and find. And Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? Now, look at the picture here. Here's a man standing before him. Now, his ears are beginning to be attuned to things because of his blindness, but now he's seeing and he forgets what he's heard. Does thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. I believe. And he worshiped him. All right. We got to where we were going. He saw him and believed in him. And he worshiped him. Jesus said, For judgment I am come into this world, that they, which see not, uh, that they which see not might see, and that they which see might be made blind. Interesting statement. We'll talk about that in a moment. And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said unto him, Are we blind also? I want to hit myself right here. 
And Jesus said unto them, If you were blind, you should have no sin. But now you say, We see. And therefore your sin remaineth. The sixth stage of spiritual sight is now made clear. Jesus is seen as the Son of God. Jesus is seen now as the Son of God. Take note that Jesus was the one who sought out the man who had been cast out and rejected. His spiritual eyes were now completely open. He sees Jesus as the Son of God. He believes Jesus to be the Son of God by faith and confesses with his mouth and believing Jesus to be the Son of God, he worships him. Do you remember the moment that you believed in Jesus? I'll give you all a a few minutes to think about it. If it has indeed happened to you, do you remember that moment? Because it should be significant to every one of us here that a change took place. Something happened. Like that old great Gaither song, something happened and now I know he touched me and made me whole. Something happened, and now I know. Remember the words of Jesus to his detractors back in chapter 8. He said in verse 24, I said therefore unto you that you shall die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am he, which is If you believe not that I am, you shall die in your sins. And this brings all the characters of chapter 9 into play, and especially in verse 39 of our text, when Jesus said, For judgment I am come into this world, that they which see not might see, and that they which see might be made blind. What did Jesus mean by this? For those who admit their spiritual blindness, and their need for a savior, he will open their spiritual eyes so that they might see. That's a judgment he makes, by the way. That is why the statement is, 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 is clear. For judgment I am come into this world. To judge all things according to his word. According to God's word. On the other hand, for those that don't see their spiritual blindness, like the Pharisees, they didn't see their spiritual blindness. The Pharisees who feel that they're just fine the way they are without Jesus. We don't need Jesus. We're okay. We don't. In effect, what they were saying, not so much we we don't need Jesus. They were saying we don't need the Messiah. Because he had already proven himself by the things that he said and the things that he did, that he was the Messiah. But they wouldn't believe it. Because they held on to their traditions more than they would hold on to the Messiah. He healed on the Sabbath twice now that we know of. So he's just a sinner. As if they were the ones who made the rules about the Sabbath. And we know what Jesus said about that.
So they would remain spiritually blind to the truths of God and they would die in their sins unless they turn to Jesus. The Pharisees, when asking Jesus, are we blind also? Excuse me. They may have thought that he would say, oh, no, 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 you're you're not blind. You are holy men of God. But Jesus didn't say that, did he? That's not what he said. What he said is painful. He said, if you were blind, you should have no sin. But now you say, we see. Therefore, your sin remains. If you had confessed your blindness... You'd be set free, like this blind man, who now sees physically and spiritually. But your sin remains because you say, I see, I see, self-righteousness. Consider Proverbs 30, verses 12 through 14 for just a moment. There is a generation. Uh, This is so revealing here. There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filthiness. There is a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes and their eyelids are lifted up. There is a generation whose teeth are as swords and their jaw teeth as knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. It would almost seem that the writer of these Proverbs (laughs) certainly anointed by God to to write these words was speaking of this generation that would be called generation of vipers. By John the Baptist. The same generation that Jesus would say, woe unto you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, Where you fancy yourselves on the outward, but on the inside you're full of dead men's bones and and you're just whitewashed sepulchers, whitewashed tombs. But for that man, he experienced what we would later know to be John 3, 16 and 17 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. 
was a man, Jesus. But he healed me. I believe he was a prophet. Because nobody could do what he did. Unless he be of God. I hope I meet up with him again because I want to tell him I believe. John 8, 12 says, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. What would have been the first thing that this man would have seen when he opened his eyes? What he had never seen before, light. Even if it had been at night, there would have been some light. And he would have said, hey, what is that? That must be light. Because you can't see without light. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Isn't it great to know that because of our spiritual condition, Jesus came to find us? Jesus sought us out. Aren't you thankful? As we come to the table of communion this evening, aren't you thankful that Jesus sought us out? See, we can't take any credit for our salvation. We can't take any credit for being with sight. Jesus opened our, our eyes. He opened us spiritually. Can Jesus still open blind eyes? He, he most certainly can. And he most certainly will. When we confess our blindness to him, he'll heal us. Is he still able to heal physically blind eyes? He, he is. But it is those spiritual eyes that he cares most deeply about that we see spiritually. That he's the light of the world. That he's the bread of life. And as we will start to learn in chapter 10, he is the good shepherd, and he's the door of the sheep. Let's pray.